Blog Talk Radio. Jumped about two and a half feet of snow on the ground, and that's a beautiful thing because we have football talk. And if you've got cabin fever, we've got the cure for you. Welcome, everybody, to BCI's radio show, the BC Interruption Radio Show, colloquially known as Pardon the BC Interruption. My name is Dan Rubin, the new guy, joined, as always, by A.J. Black. And football season might have ended about a month ago, but, A.J., you know what? We've got football season. Does it ever really end? Does it ever really end? Did I lose them already? You know, this is a beautiful thing about the uh, the internet is uh, that I was worried about my internet not lasting for a full uh, for a full uh, hour. So hopefully we can get AJ on here. Uh, it says he signed in, so we'll have him dial in and just make sure. AJ, do I have you? Well, we'll get we'll get AJ on as uh, as soon as possible. Like I said. You know, the, the internet out here has been a little fluky today. Uh, the studio has been a little fluky today. And the reason why is because we are in the middle or the tail end, I should say, at this point of a uh, of a blizzard, uh, which is a beautiful and wonderful thing. Uh, it, about two feet of snow blanketing the northeast. If you're tuning in from New England, from New York, we know that uh, we know that you've been uh, enjoying it wholeheartedly. Uh, but, you know, hey, we. You know, I, I get the big build-up, and then my co-host drops off because it's a beautiful thing that his internet didn't work. AJ, I think I have you back on. Are you here? Yeah, I'm back. I was uh, I was trying the Google Voice uh, model today, seeing if I get that working, but it um, sounded like you sound like a robot, and then it kicked me off. So I'm back to my cell phone, which I'm sure is not the best, but um, I'll have to do for today. Uh, you gotta you got to enjoy the uh, way the weather can affect our technology sometimes, huh? Oh, if it was going to affect it at all, it would be today. But today's show, uh, we're not going to complain too much about the weather, although I'm sure uh, after the amount of alcoholic beverages that you may have consumed during said weather, and I hope you have consumed tons of them, uh, that you know we're going to talk some football today, National Signing Day around the corner. But in terms of National Signing Day, that's that seems like miles away because, AJ, big news in the last week, uh, Boston College's offensive coordinator, Ryan Day, departing for the National Football League. He's heading to Philadelphia. He's heading back to Philadelphia, really, uh, heading to uh, to be the quarterback's coach of the Boston of the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, not the Boston College Eagles. And that really leaves a void at a key point for Boston College that we're not really sure what's going to happen in the future. You think of the guys who they have on the roster. You think of the future design. And now the whole thing, the whole roster design, kind of gets thrown a little bit for a loop because the architect, the offensive coordinator, is no longer there. They still have the head coach, so the the big game plan, the larger game plan is still the same. But the guy who's going to be calling the shots on offense, it just changes it enough to cause some concern and ask some questions. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that was surprising to me was, you know, you didn't hear Ryan Day's name floated around a lot 
um, for other positions. I, you know, there was a lot of talk between scouts and um, some of the bigger media, um, you know, media members that Day was a he was a high riser. He's a guy that's a young coach that was getting popular. That people were starting to understand, you know, the positive things that he was able to do. Um, but I, I mean, I don't know how you felt about it, but I was pretty caught off guard that he took uh, got that offer and took that position. I mean, I, I think it's a great opportunity for Day, um, and you know, I think um, he's doing the right thing in terms of putting his career on the right track. Um, but as you said, you know, it does put BC in a tough situation for a few reasons. One, he was doing a. I thought he was doing a really good job um, managing this offense, um, given the lack of weapons that we had from the last two years. Um, I thought he did a great job with what he had and creating offensive plans that uh, dealt well with the success to make them successful. So that was big. The other piece, um, you know, I I deal with a lot of recruiting on the site that I think that's going to be a a big factor for them is he was the main recruiter for the New Jersey area, which is a huge area that BC is fighting with you know, made schools in this region uh, to get some of those big-time recruits. And losing him, you know, Day was a great recruiter. He brought in Hilleman. He brought in Sherm Alston. He brought in our quarterback this year that we're going to see, Elijah Robinson. Um, he brought in some big-time talent um, into to BC um, over the last two years. And I think that that is an understatement that we're going to be losing some of our, our, our big guns on recruiting. Well, you know, that, that's the big thing in, in recruiting is that when you lose your recruiting coordinator, things, re, especially for a particular key area, a pipeline area, it, it, it makes things a little bit tougher. It makes things a little bit – it make, just makes things confusing if you're a fan. For, from my standpoint, I never thought Ryan Day was, was, was going to leave. I, I mean, for what it's worth, I mean, anytime you the, – the way that it feels like with the way that the hirings have gone at Boston College – it feels like the guys who are there and the guys who are brought in are the guys who are going to be here for a while. It's like they've been handed – all these coaches have been handed the keys to the recruiting uh, or to the rebuilding uh, the, the bandwagon, so to speak, and they're all here for the long haul. Anytime you have a coach that leaves, you ask, why did he leave, why did he leave, why did he leave? But you're absolutely right. Ryan Day's name, you know, for all that he did in terms of the last two years – you you kind of felt that someone on the Boston College coaching staff, their name was going to become a hot ticket. Now, as it turned out, everybody in the offseason, or even as the season was going on, was talking about Steve Adazio to the point where Steve Adazio almost had to come out during the pinstripe bowl and affirm that he was never leaving uh, when he got his uh, contract extension and, and talking about that. You know, I, I remember everybody asking me, well, how's it going to feel when Steve Adazio leaves for Michigan? As it turns out, the guy who ends up leaving is is the offensive coordinator. So, you know, were we blind to the Adazio discussion? I think a little bit. I think we were a little bit blind to the fact that Adazio has good assistance underneath him, and those are the guys who are going to be – they know Steve Adazio is not going anywhere, and so his assistants, the guys who helped him build the last two years – all of a sudden become the key players for people to go out and get. Yeah, and I think you bring up a good point, too. Um, the assistants definitely have, have made that um, a lot of the impact that you've seen on the field, or the changes that you've seen in the offense and the changes you've seen on defense. And I think the only reason you're not going to see Don Brown's name floating around is probably due to his age. I mean, he's, 
he's he's older than I think he's probably older than Adazio at this point. So he's probably not looking to go very far, you know, to another program. And I, I could see BC being an end spot for Don Brown, given you know where he is in his career. Day, on the other hand, he's young. He's a guy that's been around for probably close to ten, a little less than ten years. Um, you, you know, he's going to start to climb that ladder and the coaching ladder and and see you know diff, take different opportunities to help himself put him in to put himself into position where he can become a head coach and where he can become, you know, if he's looking to be an offensive coordinator in the NFL, you're going to get all those opportunities by taking this job with um, the Eagles. Or then, uh, you know, and then we're going to talk about that later, but um, it's a perfect opportunity for day. You know, they're a team that installed a system that's very similar to BC. They got a mobile quarterback there and they're going to probably look to try to create a mobile quarterback. If Nick Foles is not the answer that they're looking for. Um, I've heard Marcus Mariota's name thrown around to go into Philly if they trade up. Um, but I think, you know, they get a quarterback like that. If they, if they got a guy like Mariota, that would be the perfect opportunity for day. You know, he'd get a guy that plays a system that's very similar to his. Um, and you get a chance to take a kid that did not look very good in the national title game and really work on him and make him an NFL quarterback. Well, we're, we're going to be talking today with, uh, with Brandon Gouton of, uh, the, um, bleeding green nation. It's the, uh, Philadelphia Eagles, associate, uh, affiliate for SB nation. We're going to be talking about the Philadelphia Eagle offense. We're going to be talking about the quarterback's role in that offense because the chip Kelly offense is so complex. The people really, really need to know how important the quarterback's role is in it, and and as a result, we'll be talking a little bit more about the uh, a little bit more about Boston College and a little bit more about the the NFL side of things than we maybe do. And, and who knows? Maybe this will end up leading into a Super Bowl discussion. You never know. Uh, but you know, hey, it gives us a chance to to reset where Boston College is in the national pipeline and where the Philadelphia Eagles are coming in and why Ryan Day is the right fit for that quarterback position. We'll also be taking your call six four six. 200-0446. We do have a call on the line. If you're snowed in, feel free to give us a buzz. Again, 646-200-0446. Make sure that second bottle of wine, that second martini goes down with BCI Radio. We go to the phone lines at the 508 area code. We hope you're snowed in. Thanks for calling in with Dan and AJ. Hello. Uh, maybe we should put him back on hold. <laughs> yeah, we'll go. We'll go back on hold. We'll come back to that one. And uh, if, uh, like I said, it's it's kind of crazy of how the uh, the weather impacts technology. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? It's almost like you, you know, I had trouble dialing in. You had trouble dialing in. Our callers are now having trouble dialing in. Uh, the, the the this snow thing sucks. I'm just gonna throw it out there. Yeah, I'm not. Well, I, I'm not. I like the snow and I love to ski, so that's my thing. But I can tell you on the top five things in my life that I hate doing, shoveling has to be up there. I don't have a snowblower, and um, I, I started part one of my probably three part process of trying to shovel my my uh, driveway out today, and it was like two and a half feet of snow. I couldn't. I felt like I was like going against the tide. You know, it was like nothing was happening except my back was killing me, my arms were killing me from shoveling all that snow. Beautiful thing about an apartment complex is just get enough snow out of the front of the car so you can ram the gas and get through it, and the complex <laughs> takes care of the rest. It is, uh, it is, it's like, it's like the Dukes of Hazard. It's, uh, it's, yeah, that's, that's, 
that's pretty much what, what happens to me. Um, but anyway, you know, AJ, as, as we're waiting for Brandon to call in again from Bleeding Green Nation uh, of the Philadelphia Eagles on SB Nation, uh, 646-200-0446. I'll just say our number again. Please feel free to call back uh, our caller that, that that blew up on the line there. Um, we're about a couple minutes away from Brandon calling in. Is AJ, you know, you, you'll look at the at the Boston College offense, and, and one of the things we're going to talk about is the offensive coordinator search. Obviously, some names probably already in Steve Adazio's back pocket of guys he can go to. Guys, we don't know. Uh, obviously, the, the you know the whole thing. It's not going to be fully transparent. We the name could come from anywhere. You always hear names tossed out. The recycled coaches that always seem to come across college football. But really, if you're if if you're looking at this, you can eliminate half of college football coaches on the sole purpose that I don't think Steve Adazio, and, and this is one of the things I talked about earlier this week, is going to reinvent the wheel in terms of the offensive scheme. He's going to keep the scheme the same rather than switch things around because that just doesn't seem to work, and we have proof that it doesn't work in the entire Frank Spaziani era. Yeah, I, you know, I think it, looking at recruiting and what Adazio has brought in in terms of talent for this team, he clearly has a vision on where he wants this offense going. I mean, some of the quarterbacks that he's brought in, it's clear he wants to continue to do some of the the option read that we saw with Murphy, but I think he wants to mix in more passing out of that. But I think that's a vital part of his offense is he wants it to look like what Ryan Day had with the, you know, the Chip Kelly light um, Oregon offense um hopefully with a quarterback that can throw the ball more. He's not going to bring in an offensive coordinator that's going to install a pro-style offense or, you know, or jam in a, a round peg into a square hole. He has specific types of what he's looking for, and he's going to want to get an offensive coordinator that is going to fill that. And that's kind of why when I think about it, when I think about the options of what BC's going to do, it makes more and more sense to me that they're probably going to just probably, you know, um, go internal with this and get a guy that already knows the system, that already knows what they're doing. A guy like Fitch, Todd Fitch, who's the uh, wide receivers coach right now, he's got coaching experience. He knows the system, and he's not going to try to install a new offense. And what they'll do is they'll try to figure out maybe a wide receivers coach after that or figure out another coach that they could put in that can cover the New Jersey uh, recruiting spot, and I think that would be it. Um, I just don't imagine – you know, the name's getting thrown out. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Like, you know, I joke about Mark Whipple, but even when we were talking, he doesn't make sense because he's a completely different offensive style than what BC would do. Or, you know, some of these other guys that you hear thrown around, um, um, like Steve Logan or um, I don't know who is some of the other uh, Jags. <laughs> you know, they're kind of the joke ones. But, you know, they kind of paint the bigger picture that these guys that are running offenses that are not, what BC's skill sets are at right now. And I don't think Adazio is going to go down that road. Well, we will transition now from the college ranks to the professional ranks. Ryan Day, obviously leaving Boston College. I say obviously because we've been talking about it for the last couple of days, but Ryan Day leaving Boston College, heading up to the Philadelphia Eagles to be the new quarterbacks coach. And while we tend to analyze things from a, a, a college standpoint, from the Boston College side of things, uh, you really have to look at how these things work, why he becomes the right fit for the Chip Kelly offense of the Philadelphia Eagles. In terms of quarterbacks, coaches, there's only room in the NFL for 32 of them. So for you to come in, the, the selectiveness and the way that you become a positions coach in the NFL, it, it takes a, there's, it's a highly selective club. 
uh, and he's going to be taking over the reins as a uh, quarterback's coach, an assistant offensive coach of one of the more interesting offenses, one of the more intriguing offenses in the National Football League today. For that, we turn over on our phone line. We, we bring in Brandon Gowton. I, I hope I'm uh, not butchering your last name too bad. From Bleeding Green Nation of, uh, of the Philadelphia Eagles, the SB Nation affiliate. Uh, thanks, for, thanks for calling in on, on what's uh, been Dan and AJ getting buried by two feet of snow. Uh, yeah, sorry to hear about that. And perfect on the pronunciation, actually. And not a lot of people get that. So definitely kudos there. Ah, all right. Well, the... You know, we've been, we've been talking a little bit earlier in the show. Uh, Ryan Day, our our offensive coordinator, is now your quarterbacks coach. Uh, it's kind of an interesting setup. Uh, he's going from uh, you know the the more option style offense of Boston College, but he's going to be taking the the reins of a quarterbacks position, working under the offensive coordinator of of an offense that that has received so much publicity and. And when you think about it, Brandon, this is an offense that is that is really fun to watch, and and I think you you could probably give us a better perspective of uh, of what he's going to be expected to do uh, in the Chip Kelly offense. Yeah, well, for the Eagles, you know, it's it's the third quarterback coach, and as many years under Chip Kelly, they had Bill Lazor, who is now the offensive coordinator of the Miami Dolphins in the first season. Uh, then just recently this year, they had. Bill Musgrave, who was the offensive coordinator of the Vikings, now hired by the Raiders away from the Eagles. So third guy in three years, you know, it's, it's, it's a position, obviously, that other teams have liked to target given the success of the Eagles offense. Uh, but, you know, Ryan Day's coming in here, and he has a pretty big challenge because you look at this quarterback position, and they led the NFL in turnovers, you know, between Nick Foles before he got hurt, and then Mark Sanchez, who I'm sure, you know, you guys are very fond of. Uh, you know, it's going to be a tough, tough assignment for him. And really just the fact that he has no NFL experience is, is certainly a question mark for a lot of people. A lot of people are wondering, you know, how is he going to come in here and help a guy like Nick Foles who struggled last year and will probably still be the starter because there's a lack of options, even if the Eagles did want to upgrade. You know, how is he going to come in here and really turn things around. And I think part of the Eagles having to, to, to be able to fix Nick Foles and turn things around to actually improve the run game. So it kind of sounds weird to hear that you're hiring a quarterback coach to improve the run game. But I think, you know, almost Chip Kelly obviously knows Ryan Day and he has experience with him. I think he's not only bringing him in to help coach the quarterbacks, but really just for his total contributions to the offense. Things I know is really interesting about the about the Eagles offense is the the fact that it is um, you know so fast and at the same time it, there's a lot of thinking that's involved and it's really a cerebral style offense that you know when when you watch it it needs guys who are intelligent uh, you know how much does the the UNH connection the fact that they played for Chip Kelly at New Hampshire the fact that he knows the tempo and he knows the the pace and he knows the, probably some of the cadence in it. Uh, how important does, does his relationship with Chip Kelly come into uh, the Philadelphia Eagles scheme uh, with, with the quarterback's position? I definitely think that's huge. You look at what Chip Kelly has done so far in Philadelphia, and he likes to surround himself with guys that he's familiar with. Uh, you know, Obviously, he's taken some Oregon players to join him in Philadelphia, guys like Josh Huff. Taylor Hart drafted those guys last year, but that also applies again to the staff guys he, he's worked with before, guys he can trust. 
Uh, he made the defensive coordinator hire Billy Davis because that's that was a friend of Urban Meyer, and Chip is good friends with Urban Meyer. So you know Ryan Day is a guy that Chip has worked with, and he can trust, and he knows you know that's a guy he can count on. And you know I think that's huge because Chip loves continuity. I, I think he just wants guys who who can come in and you know know what's the, what the deal is from day one. Doesn't really have to adjust into this whole new thing. Uh, just a big trust factor. And then, again, from just I think another part of what makes that so critical for Day is that, you know, like I said earlier, you have these quarterback coaches just going in and out for the Eagles. And, you know, at some point you're, you're probably going to run out of options. Not that I'm trying to say that Day was the last option here. You know, you're not always just going to have your your best pickings when you're constantly losing your quarterback coach every year. So I think a guy like that comes in, you can probably have a lot of continuity going forward because he's probably a guy that teams aren't going to steal away because he doesn't have the NFL experience. He probably doesn't have the resume that the other guys had when they came here. In your in your mind, what's really the biggest strength of the Eagle offense right now? Like where where is their biggest part that they can re- always rely on their game that's kind of always a constant? Well, in 2013 – you know, it was all really about the run game. And that was why they were so good. And that really opened up the passing game for Nick Foles. I think that's a big reason why Nick Foles was so successful. 2013 wasn't as successful last year because the run game, while they still had a lot of yards, they weren't really running effectively. And the offensive line had to do a lot with that. And the Eagles offensive line last year really struggled because they had a number of injuries uh, so it's it's definitely a run heavy offense. I think again, it makes a lot of sense here from what I was reading and what you guys told us. You know, uh, definitely a commitment to the run. So I, I think that's huge, and I think that's something that Chip Kelly wants to do. I think he wants to be go back to being a run heavy offense and and really work things through that element. In terms of in terms of the quarterback situation, uh, I know Foles was hurt. Uh, throughout the year and in his replacement statistically you know Sanchez as much as I, I like to crap on him he uh he wasn't he wasn't awful there were a lot worse options in the NFL last year and that includes the 72 quarterbacks that I think played for the Cardinals at some point during the end of the year but uh when you look at the quarterback situation and you look at Foles coming back from being hurt um I'm not sure what Sanchez's situation is but uh, when you look at, at that situation uh, who are who are kind of the the guys? What do they what do they bring to the table uh, in terms of the offense? Are, are you looking at quarterbacks who can take over a game if needed, or are these guys who are going to be a product of the system? I think you hit the nail on the head there. It, it's it's more of a product of a system thing here. Again, I think Nick Foles' success in 2013 was really based off what they were able to do in in running so well, and then having play action create you know, open receivers and things like that, whereas in 2014, running game wasn't as efficient, and they kind of just dared Nick Foles or Mark Sanchez later on to throw the ball, and they would defenses would cheat against the run, and, you know, the quarterbacks just weren't playing to the level where, you know, they're, they're not really – the defense isn't respecting them, but they can't take advantage of that, and, you know, that's obviously a big concern. Uh, but moving forward here, Mark Sanchez is a free agent, I expect the Eagles to at least try to keep him because, you know, he might 
be there. He's a quality backup option for sure. Like he said, you know, you don't want him as a starter. He's not a starting quarterback in the NFL. Uh, but, you know, you bring him in as a backup, you could really do a lot worse than that. And as far as the starting picture goes, it is likely Nick Foles just because the Eagles have picked number 20 in the draft and hard to see a quarterback really making sense that can really come in right away. Uh, there's a lot of talk about Marcus Mariota, obviously, but it doesn't really seem like that's something you can count on for him to, to fall down or even if the Eagles would try to make a big move up. just doesn't really seem realistic at all. So it seems Foles is the most likely option. And if that's the case, like I said, you have to go back to where, you know, you're not relying on him to win you games because probably not really – just doesn't have the pure talent and and he's just not that kind of guy. He's more of a guy who – plays well and everything is going well around him. So you need the run game to get going. You need the offensive line to be better than they were. So it's, it's going to be an interesting thing to see if they can really not so much count on him, but build the system around him for him to succeed. We're talking with Brandon Gouton of Bleeding Green Nation, the Philadelphia Eagles affiliate of SB Nation. Uh, we're talking about Ryan Day, the offensive coordinator from Boston College, now the quarterback's coach of the Philadelphia Eagles from one Eagles to another, uh, going back to Philadelphia where he was an assistant at Temple under Steve Adazio. Uh, Really, when we talk about the Boston College offense, one of the things that comes up is the decision-making process of the quarterback's position, uh, or lack thereof. Uh, Tyler Murphy was a good running quarterback, elite running quarterback. He was not an elite passer. Uh, He was actually a pretty poor passer, uh, did not have good arm strength, did not have good accuracy, and at times did did not have good decision-making. In terms of the Eagles, in terms of those guys, I know we've talked about the system and we've talked about their strengths. Uh, Day is going to come with that experience of having worked with quarterbacks who have one or two major deficiencies. When you're talking about the quarterback's position at at Philadelphia, uh, are there major deficiencies that he's going to have to work on in that situation with those guys? Uh, and, and I focus more on Foles and Sanchez, if only because if, if, if another quarterback comes in, that's a miracle. And if the third-string quarterback's playing, then everybody's getting drunk that day. <laughs> yeah, I think you know a lot of things that went wrong with Nick Foles, not only – uh, the system in terms of the running game not being there and things like that. I think like, specifically, you know, he's just he's not mobile. Uh, it's obviously going to hurt when your offensive line is in shambles and you can't really run away from pressure. And, you know, he's a guy who likes to hold on to the ball. Maybe that's something they try to work on, try to get him, you know, to have a quicker release or just, you know, throw faster because, you know, if he's if he's taking hits like he is, he's also getting hurt. That's another thing. That's a big concern with Nick Foles. He's he has not played a full season yet. He's had an injury at least uh, and ha- and missed at least a couple games in every one of his seasons so far, and he's only played one full season, or he's only started out one season as the starter, so that's even a little more concerning when you think about it like that. So things like that, I think a lot of fans point to, you know, like bad footwork and maybe just bad fundamentals that regressed in 2014. I think some of that is just because he's a limited talent and there's you know, there's really only so much you can fix uh, as a quarterback coach or position coach. I think we can uh, you know, overrate their their uh, ability to fix players to some extent. You know, for some players, they just are what they are. But definitely it doesn't hurt to, to bring in a new guy. Uh, like I said earlier in the show, 
you have these two quarterbacks leading the league in turnovers, it's really hard to see how a new guy couldn't at least, you know, be some kind of benefit in there, a different voice, uh, a, a new a new day, if you will, for the Eagles quarterbacks in Philadelphia. Well, Brandon Gowton of Bleeding Green Nation, thanks for uh, thanks for dialing in with us and uh, hey, enjoy Ryan Day. We I know AJ and I have enjoyed the ride with him, and uh, you know, hey, if nothing else, if you could seriously just beat the bag out of Dallas next year, I would be a happy man. <laughs> hey, it sounds like a good plan. <laughs> Brandon, thanks for calling in, and uh, hopefully we'll catch up soon. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. That was Brandon Gowton from Bleeding Green Nation. Uh, I'll bring back my uh, my co-host AJ Black and AJ. You know, I I I talk about Ryan Day and and you know you and I obviously we like Ryan Day as a coach. We we like what he did. We like you know what he was able to accomplish with Boston College in two short years. Uh, wins and losses. You know, he, he they went fourteen and in, in what fourteen and twelve in two years. It's not yep. great. But what he was able to accomplish with the offense in terms of coaching up all of that, when you look at what he had to work with at the quarterback position, you know he's getting handed the keys to a Mercedes right now because I think Foles is pretty good. He's getting handed the keys to to you know to partially drive a really good offense that's going to have talent. And if they can even if the Eagles can even return to a little bit of what they were two years ago you're going to see Ryan Day's name come up again because that quarterback position, it, it it's not the number one. Where have we heard this before? The quarterback position is not the number one position, but they can lose games if they don't play well. Yeah, you know, that, that was a lot of the talk that we had last this year. And, you know, there was a lot of Ryan Day haters out there that thought, you know, BC's offense was one-dimensional. But he was giving – I mean, watching the game, it was clear that Tyler Murphy – was limited in what he was able to do. Um, and I think you're totally right. You know, having Nick Foles is going to in that offense, and, and there's so many different parts to that offense, that he's going to be able to really show what he's able to do with an offense that is capable of doing many different things. He'll be able to coach uh, Nick Foles and, 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 you know, show him whatever it is that Ryan Day is good at in terms of teaching a quarterback. We haven't been able to see that because, you know, especially working with quarterbacks because Murphy, you, you can't force, a, a you know, a quarterback that really isn't accurate and can't throw the long ball and makes poor decisions to do that. I think Foles is a much higher upgrade than Murphy um, in terms of what he'll be able to do and, and the level of play that they're going to be playing at. Um, so, you know, if he is successful and he can teach Nick Foles to cut down on the turnovers and to make good reads and do all that kind of thing and, and t- return to the way he was a couple years ago, I, I agree. I think you'll start hearing Dave's name bumped around again for more jobs, you know. Well, I know that when we look at the NFL, the, the goal of Philadelphia is – to get the right guy in and, and get the right guy there. Michael Vick, we thought was going to be the tailor-made guy for that offense. It maybe if it was a couple of years ago, you know, Michael Vick in, in 2009, I don't even remember when he came back to playing and took over the Eagles job, but not Michael Vick in 2013. He's going to get, you're going to get a guy who can run and make those decisions on the fly. That's the one thing about Vic that everybody kind of forgets in that he he has great vision and he was able to to throw with accuracy. But the minute he lost his legs and he couldn't throw on the run, he was toast. 
So when you have a guy like Foles and you have a guy like Sanchez, I think the goal of the coach on the offensive side, the quarterback's coach, is to teach the QB, look, if you feel the pressure coming here, take two or three steps this way, scramble a little bit, and get rid of the football. The one thing the quarterback cannot do, especially in the NFL, is stand like a statue in the pocket and get killed. Because if that happens, you're going to get hurt before you even make the halfway point of the season. Clearly, when you're looking at the way the Eagles were playing with the, with all the turnovers, they weren't mobile. And that's funny because you think of the Eagles and you think of Chip Kelly and you think of fast and mobile, but the quarterback position wasn't. And I think bringing in Ryan Day is going to teach these quarterbacks how to move the right way. Not move like Murphy, not move like Vic, but as long as they're not getting killed, I think that's an improvement. Yeah, you know, that, those are all great points. And I, I think he's, he's, the situation is great for a number of reasons. And one we haven't brought up is that these quarterbacks are, I, I feel like, are very malleable in terms of they're going to be able to be guys that he can really show off what he's able to teach and coach. Neither Foles or Sanchez have shown recently that they're still above average quarterbacks. Sanchez looks like a world of difference this year. I mean, he had some great games. He had some bad games. But I think, you know, if if they can put together a good season, then Ryan that's all going to be a you know a tip of the cap to Ryan Day because he's the change that's going to be there. He's going to be the guy teaching these quarterbacks and new things. Now, if he was thrown into, you know, Ryan Day was thrown in to be the quarterbacks coach for the Patriots or the Packers, no one would even notice him because his job is so, you know, predicated on what. The, quarter, the quarterback's going to listen to him, and Brady and Rodgers and those kinds of quarterbacks, they don't need to hear what quarterback coaches have to say. But I think Sanchez and Foles are a great opportunity for him to really show off what he's going to be, you know, what he's like as a coach. 646-200-0446. We go back to the phone lines. We're going to try again. I think our caller's back again from the 508 area code. I think we have you on this time. You're live with Dan and AJ. Nope, just dropped off again. I had it live, and then it wasn't live. So we're going to keep – Oh, it's going to be one of those shows. I haven't been on the air in a couple of weeks, and this is what happens to us when that happens. So, yep. do we have a do we have a, a womp womp? Sign? I don't think we have a womp womp sign uh, yeah. audio thing. No, we we should get one of those. Um, all right, we're going to keep it rolling. Then eight one three area code. I recognize the number. I believe it's my man HD. How you doing? How you guys doing? That's the problem, man. How you guys with the snow stuff? Hey, I have. <laughs> Nothing, nothing. A bottle of bourbon and, uh, <laughs> and a couple of good movies can't fix. I'm a wild turkey man myself, but uh, <laughs> I uh, one ten proof. Don't mess around with the ninety proof, you know. <laughs> oh, but, I'm on board. Uh, yeah, good man, good man. I know we have a lot in common there. Hey, um, you know, I called BC interruption and a Philadelphia Eagles show broke out. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> um. You know, I wasn't big on Ryan Day. I think I expressed my. I think you guys got that point. Um, you know, from the and you guys what? You guys are more in tune to BC than I am. I mean, I admit that. But I, from the games that I saw during the season, I, I didn't like some of the calls. But you know, um, you guys liked them, and that carries a hell of a lot more weight. But I gotta. What are you hearing? I mean, I still have not seen this Kurt Loftner, who was at Duke. And, you know, ran a pretty good offense at Duke, and then Florida took him for one year. I guess they gave him buku bucks to move to Florida. Um, but uh, 
obviously he, he's can now because he uh, obviously got rid of all the coaching staff in Florida. But he was a hell of a good offensive coordinator. He wouldn't have got the job in Florida. And um, he, you saw what he did with Duke for many years. And um, I just think that uh, it'd be a good idea if the BC folk would trace him down because, I mean, obviously Duke and, and, and Boston College are very hard to get into academically, so that's something in common, and, and, and this Kurt Lofner would be used to that. And um, since he was at Florida, hey, that doesn't hurt either to get uh, close to the high school coaches in Florida and BC pull some kids out of Florida. Seems like a win-win. I think he ran a little bit more of a uh, spread uh, than BC has run in the last couple of years, and the, the way the head coach at BC, um, Adazio, likes to run his offense. But you know, you turn the reins over to an offensive coordinator, and you know, let let him let him make uh, let him make uh, something out of nothing, I guess. Um, but what have you guys heard? I I, I haven't. I got to punch up Kurt Loftner and see where the hell he ended up, and if he got another job that I missed. But what are you guys hearing about the offensive coordinator, guys? Well, it, it's um, funny. Is I, I actually looked him up. He's still unemployed. The guy's, I think his last name's Roper. Um, thank you. Thank you. My bad. Year. No, I, I had to Google it, to be honest. I knew exactly what you were talking about. I just didn't know the name. Uh, the Yeah, I I like it. I like him, and, and at least with the spread, I guess the, the thing that's the difference with the spread that, that's run elsewhere is that BC runs the spread option, so they could easily – be able to to kind of transition from one to the other. Uh, I don't think they would ever go a, a full spread because I, I don't think Steve Adazio likes that. But it would. But it, I mean, the spread. If you can get a quarterback that that can run and throw, the spread option kind of uh, the kind of works there. Uh, but I, at the same time, I don't think he's I don't think he's coming here because uh, because the money might be an issue. I don't know if there's any. AJ, you might you might have a better take on that than me. Yeah, I was just—I was actually just sending a message to Dan as he was saying his take. That uh, my take as well is that uh, BC does not uh, their operating budget. I imagine for coordinators is not the same as Florida, so I—I I have to imagine that what we'd be able to offer Roper to be our offensive coordinator is not what he would accept, given what he probably made last year for Florida. Um, and you know, say what you will about what BC's paying, because they probably should be paying for more, but. Um, I think that's going to be probably cost prohibitive for them. Well, AJ, I got to interject. I mean, the guy's out of a job, <laughs> and since he didn't uh, get a DUI or anything, you know, he's still being paid uh, the money uh, that he was being paid. Uh, you know, he that that money's in his bank, and he needs a job. So, I mean, you know, uh, four hundred thousand. Not as good as whatever Florida paid him. I don't know, seven hundred thousand. Just throw a number out there. But uh, I'm sure BC can come in around four hundred thousand for an offensive coordinator. Three hundred thousand. I don't know. But uh, the guy's out of a job, so uh, he, he um, could very well be available. And I think he'd be a good get for BC. You know, given his track record and seeing what Florida thought of him and his history at Duke. I mean, he's making well, zero yeah. now, man. <laughs> no, he's I know. He's making but zero. He- you got to imagine too. I, I get that, but you got to imagine that if he's a hot commodity right now. I mean, he got it, he lost his job at Florida last year. Um, he he may sit on that money for a year and wait to see if you know the job opens up. If if you know Lane Kiffin goes to the pros and he gets a job at Alabama or or something like that. You know, I I don't know. I just 
with guys like that, I just it, it's it's my uh, kind of stinted uh, view of things. I just don't imagine BC going for a guy like that. I I totally agree with you too. You know, I, I think he would be a good fit. I just I don't know. I just don't think BC would be paying for something like that. I just I don't know, Dan. What do you think? I you know it's it's hard to say. I think uh, I I have an opinion on the whole job ladder, which which is kind of where it comes into play. And it's it, hopefully it won't be too long winded. And that is, if a guy goes from being a an offensive coordinator in a in a, in a mid level school to being an offensive coordinator at a middle tier Big Five school, and middle tier I consider BC at this point middle tier. I would consider them on par with Duke or, or on par with one of those places. Uh, the next logical step is either to become a head coach at a mid-tier school or an offensive coordinator or coordinator, I should say, at a major, major school like a Michigan, like an Ohio State, uh, like, a, like a USC or like a Florida. The fact that he washed out of Florida with, with the rest of that staff and was canned from the rest of that staff, you know, maybe he becomes available to the lower levels because he wants to get back in. Usually those guys, the only the only problem I have with that is that usually those guys end up getting a second big-time job before they have to take a step back. And I, I agree that you, I kind of fear that a guy who gets fired from a place like Florida waits a year and, and maybe goes and does television or – or does college football live or something like that for a year and then comes back in. I've seen that happen a couple times. The part that, the part that just makes me weary is that he or leery of him is that he left Duke for Florida. If I mean, you looking for a guy to come in, you sign him to a couple year contract. He's going to want to go back. And, and like you said, they gave him Buku bucks. He's going to want, he's going to want that money again. And, and if he does a good, does good for a couple of years, he might leave, and I guess that's my uh, – I would rather take a younger up-and-coming guy who maybe wants to stick around and ha- make more of a name of himself than another guy. But that's that's just my take on it, and I only fear that he would he would come to BC as a placeholder. Yeah, I, I see your point, guys, on that. You know, it, you, know you want somebody that's going to stay a while, but, um, you know – I I don't know. I just throw that out there. I think he'd be a, a, a decent hire, a very good hire, actually. But, you know, I watch college football for many years now. I'm getting up there. And uh, I'm just amazed at these so-called mid-level college teams that put so many points on the board. And I get it. Okay, they're not playing against, uh, you know, uh, sometimes not even three-star guys consistently, definitely not four- or five-star guys. But there are just some colleges out there that just unbelievable um, points on the board like uh, Western Kentucky and Old Dominion and Texas State. I mean, Texas State is curious to me, whoever that offensive coordinator was. You know, you have all those um, – I don't know why there's so many – well, i got to guess, but I don't know why there's so many great quarterbacks coming out of Texas because I, I think West Texas, you know, with the population uh, pretty pretty low in some of those towns, they play a seven-man football situation. They're chucking the ball all over the place like uh, the Canadian Football League. I, I'm just amazed at how many, how many people don't grab – these offensive coordinators from those three schools I mentioned and some others that don't come off the top of my head, but they just, I mean, every time you look, you know, Old Dominion scoring 50 points and Texas State scoring 50 points and and, and Western Kentucky, uh, memory, if memory serves me right, I think somebody grabbed the Western Kentucky guy um, to go somewhere. But you see my point, I just don't get 
why um, these guys don't move up faster when they put so many points on the board. And again, put a qualify on it. You know, they um, they're not playing against the best competition, but hell, they don't have. They don't have uh, four aces in their hand either. They don't. They don't recruit the best guys. So, you know, it, it all. It's a wash. It's 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 the same caliber kid going against the same caliber kid, and they're beating the hell out of the defenses that they're playing. And, uh, did you guys notice that this year? Or those three schools, or maybe some other ones I missed. Oh, I I did, and you actually stole you actually stole my point from me a little bit because I was actually going to say that, which is. I actually, I I do believe in in my heart of hearts that Steve Adazio is going to have to take a long. You need to take a long look at some of these teams if they're scoring that many points. I mean, it just doesn't happen by chance. And and you know, I looked up some of the things on Western Kentucky, and you know, they score sixty six points against Old Dominion, sixty seven against Marshall, fifty two against Army. If if they score that many points, and and you have a team that's able to move that fast. Or, or score that many points, even if it's moving fast or whatever it is. As a coach, you'd be doing your program a disservice if you didn't look at them. And and I think that Steve Adazio is absolutely going to look at some of these guys. Um, I'm not sure how quickly the, – the only thing the only thing with the decision is that he has to make the decision fairly quickly, and I'm not sure how he thinks on that, and I'm not sure if he I'm, – I'm just not sure of the road ahead – but I know as a fan, I would want him to look at at some of those some of those guys. And look, we we gotta let you go because we're actually gonna get into that whole discussion. You you see, you, I gotta have you on as a co-host, HD. You're like transitioning perfectly. <laughs> no, nah, man, I just worried about you. You know, um, <laughs> make sure you got the one. Make sure you got the one ten proof and uh, stay safe, dude. And you know, I feel for you guys because you got to go to the grocery store. Hell, you got to. You know, it's fifty. It's thirty minutes putting your gear on. You know, and God forbid you forget something at the grocery store. So you got to put a, a list together. Uh, sixty-two degrees out here, and I don't have to do that, man. <laughs> well, we, I got, I, every everybody up here goes for the the bread and milk when they hear the the storms are coming. I go for the. Uh, I go for the good cigar, good alcohol, and uh, and and you know a good piece of steak, and then I'm good to go. Okay, guys, take care. See you. Take, take it easy. Take Thanks care. for the call. Six four six two hundred zero four four six. We're going to talk a little bit here, and then we can get back to the calls. AJ, you know, I was talking about some of these guys, and we bring up some of these guys. The beautiful thing about the college football ranks is the amount of teams and the amount of teams that are successful. So it's uh, you know I I say to myself they're running out of time because they have to do it quickly and the best guys are going to be gone, but Steve Adazio can look at any of these programs and at least take a good long look and see if the guy will fit. Does he fit? Who knows? You know I think he rules out half of them if they want to run his offense or not, um, or if they're willing to adapt. Like I wouldn't be shocked if he went down to a guy who runs the spread and says. Let's see if we can run a hybrid and adapt, but this is what I primarily want to do. Um, you know, he he would be doing a disservice if he didn't look at these guys. Yeah, I mean, I'm a fantasy football junkie, and so some of these teams, they pop, you know, you don't hear a lot about them unless you, like, really look at stats. And, you know, it's year after year with, like, teams like Western Kentucky and Marshall and Old Dominion and Arkansas State that have these offenses that can put up points. And I think Steve Adazio is a good mind. I think he's going to be able to, you know, if he can get like four of them in for an interview and figure out if any of those guys, if any of their offensive coordinators are guys that would fit in his system, 
I hope he's doing that his due diligence. And I think I think, you know, you talked about the ladder and, and taking that those logical steps up that ladder and the coaching steps. Um, you know, I think going from a team like Western Kentucky to Boston College it makes a lot of sense. Or going from a team like Georgia Southern, I know I heard their name thrown around, or Louisiana Tech, they're all, you know, been offenses that scored a lot of points. I think those those teams, you know, going from an offensive coordinator at those those schools to an offensive coordinator at BC, that makes a lot of sense. And, and you know, I, I'm totally fine if that means we get them for three years and they move on to, you know, a, a, an elite school or, or another program. That's totally fine, but I just hope that he kind of has those conversations before he offers that position because I would hope that in a school like BC, we want to get a guy that's going to be here for more than a year, you know? Yeah, and and I think uh, when you look down the, even if you, I mean, if even if you were to look in, into the FCS, there are plenty of guys down there. But there's so many teams and there's so many good coordinators in the FBS because of the amount of teams that you're staying in the FBS at this point with the assistance. You're not going outside of that. You're limiting. You are limiting yourself based off of what you know, and you're reaching out into your connections and into the and into the world. And and that's why if you're Boston College, it's so important to play some of these games that maybe look stupid on the schedule. Like New Mexico State. Do you really want to go out to New Mexico and play New Mexico State? No, but everybody in the Sun Belt has now seen you because they played New Mexico State. Who's in the Sun Belt? Louisiana Lafayette, Georgia Southern, Appy State, Texas State, Arkansas State. These teams that can score 30 to 40 points. So it becomes, you know... I don't think this – I think this coordinator, I think he stays internal because I think those guys uh, this time, I think he stays internal. But some of these other guys who might be assistant head coaches or assistant offensive coaches, there's a rhyme or reason to why you're playing these crazy games against these opponents that don't really make any sense. And it's to get your name out there, not only recruiting, but as a coach, you're now networking in those different things if they see your team. Yep. And, you know um... – with Adazio, you know, I, I, I heard, um, you know, we were talking about New Mexico State, you know, totally kind of changing subjects a little bit. We're dropping them from our schedule this year, and we're not going to play them. But Georgia Southern was a team that popped up as a team that we could be playing. And getting our our feet and, you know, our our um, pipelines open there for, for recruiting is huge, too, because, you know, playing a game, a game against a team like Georgia Southern doesn't seem like a big deal on the surface, but we have Al Washington down there recruiting like crazy in the Georgia area. And to get those kids to know that, Oh, you know, maybe we'll have a game down there or, you know, maybe, you know, we'll be playing a team from down here up in Boston. So I, you know, those also play dividends um, up ahead too. Well, let's, let's talk about the, uh, the actual coordinator search. We've done a lot of talking about the Eagles. We've done a lot of talking about the BC Eagles. We've talked about Steve Adazio, but let's, let's actually talk about the coordinator search. No names have surfaced that I've seen, uh, which is why it also leads me to believe that he would look internal inside to his, to his program. But there are some names out there, you know, Kurt Roper being one of them, Doug Rouse from Georgia Southern being another. There are names out there that I think we as fans and, and as and as guys who cover this team look at and say, well, I think they might be a good fit. It'll be really interesting to see if any of those names actually come up. Yeah. You know, the interesting thing 
to think about, you know, I, I agree too that it's, you know, just my gut feeling is going to be internal, but I wouldn't rule out it being an external candidate too, because as we've seen between the football coaching search for the head coach when we hired Adazio, the athletic director search when we hired Brad Bates, and the basketball search, many of the names didn't pop up. You didn't hear a lot of names. And you definitely, when Christian was hired and when Adazio was hired, they were completely names that caught you off guard because you just weren't expecting them to come up. And I don't know if that's the same what's going to be like for when we hire an offensive coordinator, but, you know, I, I get this feeling from the Heights that they're doing a, they're do, they do their job to kind of squash the press around the coaching searches so that we don't know about it, that agents can't use that as leverage against them so that, you know, in the end we get these names that come up that we're not expecting. So you never know. Maybe Doug Rouse is someone that we're looking at, or maybe um, Kurt Roper is someone that BC really would consider, but we're just not hearing that because BC really tries to keep their cards close to their vest. And, and the one thing into the search that I think we can objectively say is that the guy who gets the job is probably going to be a guy that nobody's heard of. Uh, you know, like you said, the, when you hire Steve Adazio and when you hire Jim Christian, they're underwhelming hires at the time. I think a coordinator position, people might overlook it a little bit. I think the only coordinator I've ever seen that got hired when you were really pumped up for it was Don Brown because Don Brown came in with a reputation in Massachusetts as being a, a, a defensive whisperer like he, he he could do magical things with defenses because that's that's the reputation that he had built over 30 years in new england i think when we talk about this search we're not going to know who it is until it's named and we're not going to know the guy even at, like we're going to be scrambling for information afterwards simply because the mo right now is to is to make guys not to give guys a second chance or not to to bring in established guys. I just don't think that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, I think what's going to happen is I bet you'll happen in the next week. I bet, you know, I think BC would be smart to do it before signing day uh, just to make sure that none of our recruits get poached under us because if they show that, you know, you know, schools are good with that kind of stuff of using negative publicity against them. BC wants to make sure that the recruits know who they're going to get as an offensive coordinator when they get on campus. So, I would imagine in the next week we'll just, you know, be on Twitter and all of a sudden someone like from the Globe or Heights or whatever will just come up with a tweet that says this name and that'll be it. You know what I mean? It'll be like one of those really quick, it'll hit us like a, you know, it'll kind of blindsides it, but we won't be expecting it. It's not going to be like, oh, you know, just a big announcement coming up or whatever. It's just going to be boom. That's it. Yep. Boom. There it is. And, and move on. And you bring up the, yep. the, you bring up National Signing Day and the recruiting side of it. I know we talked about uh, Ryan Day in the recruiting game, but, you know, BC, they they have a recruiting plan, and, and sometimes that plan is a little hard to see until the guys are established for a couple of years. I think the recruiting side of it, Ryan Day leaves, and, yeah, he had all those connections, but connections are something that you can pass off. I think when you're a recruiting coordinator and when you're a coach in football, you recruit people to the brand. That you don't recruit them to the coach. Um, I think certain guys get recruited to the coach. I think certain guys fall in love with a certain coach and stay there. But that's a lot more prevalent in other sports like hockey, like in basketball, where there's a lot less guys on the team. And you're, you know you're bringing in a, a lot of less guys for your position. I think 
the New Jersey pipeline has existed for so long that it's it's going to stay even if Ryan Day is gone. But whoever's the next coach has to continue to foster that. They have to keep the pipeline alive. Yeah, I don't know if that means switching someone else's territory over to, to New Jersey. If they got a guy that doesn't have that, uh, those connections already there. Um, but, yeah, you know, with Penn State, back on the rise with the sanctions being lifted and they're, you know, they're getting back together and, and Rutgers starting to play a little bit better and Pitt's got their new coach. That, that battleground is going to be a lot harder for BC, I think, but I still think the recruits are there. So just getting a guy that's competent that can do that, can do it well, I think it's going to be a, a huge responsibility on Steve Adazio to make sure that he gets that in there. All right. We'll wrap it up here, uh, we, you know, a little bit shorter show because I know we, have, we don't want to get too deep into the recruiting with National Signing Day around the corner. But, you know, final thoughts on Ryan Day as an offensive coordinator as he leaves to the, uh, as he leaves to the Philadelphia Eagles. I'll, uh, you know, I'll throw this out there. I liked his, I liked his attitude. I liked the, what he brought to the table. I liked that he was a young coach at 35. I liked that he, he had that, that it factor with the offense where – you know, his play calling was good uh, when you you never, ever blamed a loss on the offense. You blamed a loss on something the team did that was a coachable thing. I can't remember, and I know some people love to do this, and I know some people can pick up one or two plays here and there with a play call. Was he perfect? No, not by a long shot. Um, I don't think any coach is the perfect coach. Even Nick Saban isn't the perfect coach. And as we learned, Mark Helfrich up in Oregon, not the perfect coach. Nobody is the perfect coach. They're going to make mistakes somewhere. But I think overall, over the last two years, he did a really good job with what he had. And that's something that you're going to miss. You're gonna, when you have a guy that's established over two years of being a good coach, a solid coach, uh, a guy that you, you can trust to carry the offense, to carry the torch, when you lose that, it does kind of stink a little bit. I mean, I, I'm not calling, I'm not making the guy out to be the next coming of, of Bill Belichick here, but you know, it, it does stink when you lose a coach that you did actually. And you know, there, BC wasn't one in eleven with him. That's my point. He wasn't. They weren't one in yep. eleven with him. They were a good team. Could they have been a nine win team? Sure, but you know, they did. He did what he could, and at the end of the day, no pun intended, he's a coach that you're going to miss. Yeah, I think he got a lot of bad raps, and even HD was bringing it up in his his comments. You know, the 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 big rap against Day was, oh, he should throw the ball more. And as I've said all year long, you do not want Tyler Murphy throwing that ball more. We saw it all year long. You didn't want Chase Reddick throwing the ball more last year. That, you know, the reason why we didn't throw the ball more was we did not have the weapons to do that. And I give him credit as a coach, for recognizing that and not forcing, as I keep saying over and over again, a square a square peg into a round hole. He did not – he understood very well what the challenges of this team was and what the def- deficiencies were, and he did not force it. He knew that if he had Tyler Murphy standing back there and throwing the ball 20 to 30 times, they were in a better chance of losing the game than they would be of winning, no matter what people say about that. And I think people need to understand that. And I think, you know, we'll ne- what kind of is a bummer is that 
we're still waiting to see what BC is going to become when they get the full complement of weapons that Adazio brings in with, you know, more running backs and more wide receivers. And I think Ryan Day, if he stayed a couple more years, he would have shown that he'd been able to do a passing game and a running game and to balance that. But we never got to see that because we didn't have the balance on our roster. Um, and that kind of stinks. And that's you know that's looking ahead and kind of playing hypotheticals. But I honestly think that in a couple, if he stayed around a couple of years and we had more of the recruits coming in that Adazio envisioned being the Boston College Eagles, I think he would have been a much he'd be a to very good offensive coordinator on both sides of uh, you know passing and running. Yeah, ex- exactly, and and that's and that's the best point that you could make. You know, and again, I I know we take heat for being uh for being day apologists and for and for being full supporters of what they're doing. Um, I'm perfectly content taking the heat for it because the best moves are not always the popular moves. There, everybody wants to go fast. BC slowed it down and said, well, why don't we do what everyone else isn't doing and see if we can beat teams that way? And they did. They looked at what they had and they said, if we go fast and we try to get in get into doing that stuff, we're gonna lose. And so it's not going to be the popular decision. People aren't going to like it. But let's see if it works. And you know what? They took a team that had the that had a roster full of guys left over from a 2-10 and ten team, and they won seven games two years in a row. The The problem is that, and, and the problem on legacy, because everyone loves talking about legacy, is that Ryan Day's legacy will always be slightly hampered by the fact that he never saw it through to the end. So at the end, so at the end of, of his tenure – People can always look back and criticize it for what they thought it should have been should have happened, even if that's not what what should have happened. If if he takes right. the offense and they don't throw the ball, and you think they should throw the ball, then you never got to see that in two or three years. If they had a quarterback capable of throwing, that he would open up the playbook. Uh, you're never going to get to see that. And if the next guy builds on that, he's going to get the credit. And you're going to look back and say, well, this guy was better than Ryan Day when it's two completely different scenarios. Yeah, you know, they're going to po- those same people are going to point to statistics and say, oh, look, their offense was 124th in passing this year and 117th the year before. But, I, you know, I think it's tunnel vision. You're not seeing the, those people are not seeing the whole picture of what Day could and couldn't accomplish with this offense. Um, and, you know, that's not on Brian Day, and you know this, you, the the knocks on him are so. Uh, some of them are, are mind numbing. You see people saying that you, they could they could have passed the ball more if they practiced it more. I've seen that a bunch on our blog, um, which is a lot of crap, um, and, or you know all that kind of stuff. We see a lot of this not really knowledge based. This is on him, and 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 digs on him that I think aren't really fair, and you know. Some of the play, some of the things I do agree. You know, like should we have run the ball more with Sherman Olsen this year? Probably. I think there were definitely times I would have been, you know, I would have pushed for that. But again, as you said, to, you know, earlier, he wasn't perfect, and I don't think anyone thought he was perfect. Um, but he was good. He was better than what we've had in a long time, probably since Steve Logan. Um, and I think BC fans are going to realize that, especially if the next guy comes in and doesn't acknowledge the things that Day was able to do. You know, the 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 the, the deficiencies and the strengths that we have on this team. 
and that's and that's the key. The, and that's the key. The pressure is, is residing on the hire because if that hire, well, the best the, the the best thing for Ryan Day's legacy is if the guy comes in and the offense either stalls, doesn't improve, or just flat out stinks. I don't think that's what's going to happen. I think they're going to continue to build. And I and unless they change the scheme altogether, which they are not going to do, then you can look at this as a continuation of what Steve Adazio wants out of his coordinators and not the coordinator being not the offense being the product of the coordinator, but being the coordinator being the product of Steve Adazio. And ultimately, it comes back to the head coach. The head coach runs the show. You're going to run the place the head coach wants to run. Yep. So, uh, so yeah. Go ahead. No, Mike. go for it. Go, go, go for it. I, I was going to start wrapping, so I'm going to let you let you say your piece. Yeah. So you know, I think we're going to see in the next week. I think we'll find out who our offensive coordinator is probably by the end of this weekend. Uh, signing day is next Wednesday. Um, and let me plug. I've already started um, the process of um, getting all of our signing day coverage up for BCI. Um, it's all, it's going to be a really exciting um, day on Wednesday with all sorts of uh, recruit profiles and press conference recaps. So definitely on next Wednesday, check out our site because we'll have lots of information as the, as the news flows in. Um, so check that out. Um, and definitely um, check us out when Day's replacement is named. And we'll, we'll have reactions from the players, reactions from us, and what that will mean for the Eagles moving forward. Absolutely, and and who knows? Maybe there's maybe there's a signing day radio show in our future uh, to talk about the recruits and talk about the guys coming in. We, we've we've spent a lot of time looking at the question marks of the future and and the statements of the past, and and now everything can start to come together. And I think that's partially that's partially the most exciting part of uh, of springtime is uh, not necessarily the baseball season starts, not necessarily if hockey goes on on some run, but that football season, national signing day, spring practice. Hope springs eternal. It's a beautiful thing. Yep, it definitely is. You know, football's a, it, it's only a 14-week uh, regular season, but it, the news is, is a, you know, it's a, a year-long process with spring practice and all that good stuff. So, you know, we'll be we'll be right back into the swing of things before you know it. For everybody, stay tuned to BC Interruption uh, as we in the BC Interruption Twitter. BC Hysteria on Twitter is AJ Black. Follow me at Dan Rubin Twelve, but you might have to get deal with my abundance of, of New England Patriots obnoxious tweets that I've had. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot because we're not going to have a show before then. But uh, who knows? What do you got for Sunday? This will be the la- final thought. What do you got for Sunday? Oh God, that that this is a tough one. I I I'm going to go with my homer pick. I'm going to say the Patriots. They're playing way too well. And I think. Um, Seattle made way too many mistakes against a team like Green Bay, um, who just basically pooped on themselves to to lose to Seattle. And if if Russell Wilson goes out and plays like he did at the beginning of that game against Green Bay, they're going to lose against the Pats. The Pats will not cough up a lead like that. Um, so, I I am hoping that Patriots win by seven, and that the final touchdown to, to clinch it will be Gronkowski catching it in Richard Sherman's face. Um, which would be beautiful. So um, I love the guy. I think Rich Sherman's great. I just want to see the Patriots shut him up. Um, but I, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a great game. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to get into the whole deflategate stuff because you've probably heard all about it. But um, it's been such a bummer because I can't even turn on the radio to listen to, like, Media Day because it's all they're talking about still and it's a load of shit. So 
Oh, sorry, language. Um, oh, no, that's fine. Let it out. Let it out. Uh, um, and I think the media has been completely irresponsible with it. Um, they're not they're, – it, it seems like they have their um, vendetta against Belichick and Brady and the Patriots because they don't like them uh, for a variety of reasons. And they're not uh, reporting facts. They're reporting opinions, and it's – it's annoying. I, I mean, I can't even get right. I can't get myself excited by listening to anything sports related right now because it's all they're talking about, and none of it is factual, and it's annoying. And <laughs> so that that's my 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 side piece on well, Slate Gate. I'm gonna go take my footballs into the bathroom for 90 seconds and see if I can deflate 11 of them in 90 seconds because you know two pounds and, and make sure that I have the gauge. I'm gonna I'm gonna go all out on this one. I'm gonna go take I'm gonna go take my balls into the bathroom for 90 seconds. Yeah, I just went there. I'm giving I'm yeah. giving the Patriots by multiple scores. I'm gonna be a jerk about it if they win. Um, if you really want to see obnoxious tweeting after the game, I probably won't tweet during the game, but. Tune in Dan Rubin 12 on Sunday because if the Patriots win, I am going to be absolutely nauseating and I'm not even I'm not apologizing for it. So that said, we will have a show coming up soon for National Signing Day. I want to say we'll also have the National Signing Day coverage. And, uh, you know, hey, for all you out there, thanks for uh, for tuning in. And uh, AJ, you know, hey, it, it feels good. It, it's been a while since we took the big chairs back from the hockey guys. I uh, I'm not giving it up without a fight this time. Yeah, I mean, uh, I feel like I haven't been on in about a month and a half, so this has been good. I know, I missed, right? Uh, I missed the show. I missed talking to you guys and doing all our, our usual stuff. So um, I'm going to probably have to turn you guys back over to uh, everything back over to the bean pot, and we can talk more about um, BC basketball and uh, all that good stuff. <laughs> yeah, we do have a basketball show coming up at some point, and we have no idea when. Uh nor do we kind of care at this point. So everybody stay tuned for the uh, for the upcoming schedule. We'll have that ironed out this week. And as always, uh, tune in to bcinterruption.com for the uh for the for the scoops that we have and the analysis that we that we will try to make up and not embarrass ourselves with. AJ Black, I'm going to let you go finish your your three-part harmony of shuffling. I am going to uh to crack open some uh some good old-fashioned bourbon and 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 drown my night. Oh, I'm I've given up on on shoveling for the night. I'm gonna go uh, enjoy an, an adult beverage. So, <laughs> good man. All right, we will we uh, will sign off from here. Until then, uh, until then, I I don't know what else to say, AJ. I think I gotta I think I gotta hand it to you. What what do we have left to say at this point? Uh, go Eagles. Go Eagles. We'll talk to you soon, folks. <laughs>